0: Isn't it wonderful to be saved? Hmm. Sure beats the alternative. (laughs) Would you go please to 1 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians and um, the third chapter when I've been with you. um, We've been talking about the God of Increase. We're on a series now. This is the I don't know fifth uh, part or something like that. Uh, talking about the God of increase in First Corinthians three and six, he said, "I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase." Now every word, of course, is significant and enlightening, but you know. Uh, there had to be some planning and even some watering for there to be something for God to increase. Hmm? Yeah. Sometimes people say, you know, Lord, Lord, bless me. Lord, bless me. Bless what? Help what? If all you're doing is laying on the couch crying and feeling sorry for yourself, then I mean the Holy Spirit have to lay down on the couch with you and cry with you because it that's what you're doing. <laughs> you got to give him something to help, something to prosper, something to multiply. Come on, can you see that? I mean, a hundred times zero still zero. zero. So he said, "I planted, Apollo's watered, and so then God increased that. He increased." what Paul planted, and what Apollos watered. So then neither is he that plants anything or he that waters, but God. That gives the increase. And God never changes. If he was the God of increase, he is the God of increase. He will always be the God of increase. Now, the increase is not decrease. And increase is not staying the same. If you're decreasing, you're not increasing. If you just stay in the same, you're not increasing. If God's the God of increase, what's His will? Increase. What's His plan
1: increase. for you? Increase.
0: Come on, say it out loud. God's plan for me, plan for me. Is, increase. is increase. Always, Always. increase. Always. That's God's plan for me. God's will for me. Is increase. Always. Not, not decrease. Not stay the same. They tell us the universe is still expanding. <laughs> still increasing. On a massive scale. <laughs> He's a big God. Hmm? In fact you may want to start referring to him as. Big Daddy <laughs>
1: he,
0: he, he, He's huge daddy. He's Oh he's big. He's big. And I say that because people who don't know him try to make him like themselves. And you'll find a big problem of people trying to make God small like they think like they are but he's not small I said he's not small I mean look across the Rocky Mountain Range look across the Pacific Ocean pull up close to a whale huh (laughs) and that's just one planet in this, in this big solar system, in this massive galaxy, in this massive universe, the one who made all of this is bigger than that. He's big. Oh, somebody say he's big. He's big. Really, big. Really, big. Big. Really, really, really big. Big. Pray it out loud. Say, Father God, Father God I, believe, I believe according to your word. How big you are. How great you are. are. Open my eyes eyes and my mind and my my heart heart to comprehend and and to understand understand of your bigness, bigness, of of your greatness. I ask it in Jesus name. Hallelujah. There can be and there should be an enlargement of our hearts and minds to begin to grasp more of who he is and what he is. You can tell by how flippant people are about God and the things of God. They don't know him very well. They don't realize how big he is. And none of us realize how big he is, but you can know more. You can get a a, a better glimpse and and a, a, a greater comprehension. We just prayed a prayer. Are you in faith about that prayer? Is it God's will for you to... Does he want you to see him as small as something he's not? Or does he want you to see himself as he really is? What will it do for your faith to see how big he is? The more you see how big he is, you know what that does? Also how it affects things. In comparison, it makes all your problems look so tiny. Hmm? How big are your bills compared to your provider? Your source. Huh? H- how big are your physical problems compared to your healer? The great physician. See, it's when you magnify the problem and you minimize your God. That's when you get choked up and narrowed up. And, no, we need to see Him. We need to see His bigness. His greatness. His power. His wisdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you, if you want to see God, you don't go to the library and get some dusty theology book. Go out in the night sky. Yeah. Look up into the stars. That's your big daddy. Yeah. Whoo. Yeah. Somebody say big daddy. Yeah. Big, yeah. big, big daddy. Yeah. Big daddy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Hallelujah. I'd preach this to myself. (laughs) Psalm 115. We quote this almost every uh, Sunday. Uh, Psalm 115. 12 says the Lord has been mindful of us. The Lord ever think about you? Said he is. Said he had us on his mind. What was he thinking about when he had us on his mind? He will bless us. He's thinking about blessing us. He will bless the house of Israel He'll bless the house of Aaron. People say, well, yeah, you know, maybe he'll bless them. Hey, keep reading, keep reading. He will bless them that fear the Lord. That should be you. Yes. Anybody got any respect for the Lord in here? Yes. And, and and in case you, you didn't know what he's talking about, both small and great. Yes. That's everybody that has respect for him. Keep going. The Lord shall increase you. And it's not a one-time thing. No. He shall increase you, and then he'll increase you more, yes. and then he'll increase you more, yes. and then he'll increase you increase you more and more. Right. You and your younguns, yeah. your childrens. That's right. We confess this, you know, regularly around here. The Lord increases us. More and more, us and our children. That's not something I came up with. You came up with. He said it. He said it. Come on, everybody, say it out loud. The Lord shall increase me. Increase us. More and more. Us and our children.
1: Children,
0: yeah. children you are blessed. To be children of faith people. Parents that say things like this over you. And spiritual parents that say things like this over you. You are blessed. blessed. (laughs) Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say praise God. God. Now, the enemy is, is... Successful in this in the unbelievers in the world of instilling fear. The enemy controls the whole world through fear. Well, believers to to believers, fear is contraband. It does not come from God. And we're, we're not supposed to have it. God did not give us the spirit of fear. Well, then should you receive it? Should you be full of fear? One thing it'll help you is quit watching those horror movies. They are designed to put fear into
1: you,
0: to scare you. Someone says, well, I just, it's just fun. Well, okay. Have fear. But then when real life happens and you need to not be afraid, you're going to be at a disadvantage. Because you've been feeding fear. It's going to be strong. And if you hadn't been feeding your faith, it's going to be weak. And a lot of times you won't realize it until something happens and you need it. And in fear, you'll be flooded with fear. And then your faith will be weak. Don't do that. Starve fear. That includes news. National news. Local news. Fox News? Yes sir. Any new I mean it's okay if you want to watch a minute and see something that's going on but you know they're going to loop the same thing all day long is that right? And especially anything that would try to put fear in you? You need to go up. Oh, that's enough of that. Is that right? Turn it off. Right? Do not let something Come into your eyes and your ears that's trying to put fear into you. Because when you feed fear, it will grow. It'll get stronger and stronger. Well, if you feed faith. Huh? Come to Faith Life Church. <laughs> come to Week of Increase. Come, Is that right? Come. Uh, Wherever you go to church that you're supposed to be get faith fed and read your chapter. Read your chapter every day, Monday through Friday. Feed your faith, feed your faith, feed your faith, not just your head, your faith. And then when you need it, it'll be there. Your confidence, your boldness will be there and your fear will be weak. And your faith will be strong. And you'll be able to overcome. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go with me, if you would, to um, um, Luke. Thank you, Lord. This thing has grown on me. As you might imagine. Go to Luke 12. What we've been doing, it may not have been so obvious, but we've been dealing with enemies of increase. And there's three big ones that we're dealing with. We've dealt with one a little bit, and that is dishonor. Not honoring, and another word for honor is value. Not valuing or honoring what God honors. That will prevent your increase. Um, that's the reason you tithe. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not to try to keep a law. Not to try to earn God's blessing. But you do it acknowledging that you have a source. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and showing thanks. For God taking care of you. Yes. And he said those that honor me. I will honor. And we, we went into some detail about. Uh, the woman's alabaster box of ointment you know that she gave to Jesus. Well isn't that about honor. Yes. And about valuing. And this was a very expensive personal thing to her. Probably at least thirty thousand dollars maybe closer to 50 60 whatever thousand dollars a real you know a tr- treasure in the natural but she broke it and just dumped it on him it didn't feed anybody it didn't clothe anybody it didn't house anybody it didn't send anybody to preach right. Right. and so Judah spoke up and said what a waste. What a waste. This could have been sold. For this $40,000. And given to the poor. And what you'll find. Is probably more of the church. Today agrees with Judas. About these things. Than they do Jesus. There are people that think that quote. This could have been sold and given to the poor. There's a lot of people that think Jesus said that. And if. As some people think, the Lord is that way. This would have been the perfect opportunity to make it real clear to everybody. Is that right? How he, he Jesus could have said, well, that's right. Uh, uh, sister, dear, haven't I taught you anything? What did you mean coming and wasting all this money when you could have, he could have said that. He didn't say that. He received it. He corrected Judas and them and said, leave her alone. She's done a good thing. Now notice what a sharp contrast. Judas called it a waste. Jesus called it a good work. Now, why am I saying this? Because what, what was going on, Judas... Was greatly overvaluing the money. And greatly undervaluing Jesus. Just the very phrase to say. Wasted on Jesus. Shows your thinking is messed up. <laughs> right? But can you see that much of the church world. Needs mind renewal on this. They think traditionally. Like I said. Uh, they, they, they really have more in common with Judas yep. in this area than they do Jesus yes. and don't even realize it. Yes. Yep. So that's that first one, honor. Dishonor is an enemy of God's increase. But the second one we've been talking about is covetousness. Covetousness. Uh, and because of the enemy... There are things you'll have to overcome to get God's, to to experience the fullness of God's blessing and will for your life. Not that God is making it hard or withholding it. You just, any time you step out to walk in the the good things of God, the enemy is going to try to block you. He's going to try to confuse you, deceive you, mislead you, trick you, all those kind of things. That's what makes it a challenge. And, And the truth will do what for you? It'll make you free from all that. Covetousness. Uh, my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin Sr., who's in heaven now, he tells of an experience of a visitation uh, by the head of the church. He said he saw Jesus, the head of the church, and he talked to him about some things. He, he, he had this experience with him. And this is we have instances in the Bible of this happening, and it, it can happen today. Now, anytime you hear something like that, you want to judge it, first of all, by the Bible, the written word of God. And then you judge it by the witness of the spirit you have within yourself. But he said that the Lord, the, the master, the head of the church said he saw him just like I'm looking at you and you're looking at me. And he said he, he was teaching him about how to be led by the Holy Spirit. And that book that he has, uh, you know how to be led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, (laughs) What are y'all laughing at? That's the white book, you know, with the blue and the dough in the front. Uh, That came out of that. And man, if you hadn't read that, whew, get it. We don't have it, but uh, go to uh, Kenneth Fagan Ministries and get that. And uh, while he said the master was talking to him about the inward witness and and how the spirit leads and those kind of things He, Toward the end of it He said the Lord said to him If you'll learn to follow my spirit Be led by my spirit I'll make you rich Now a lot of people Wouldn't even believe That the master would say such a thing And of course Again what did we just get through saying Anything you hear like that Any kind of experience What should you immediately do You judge it By the written word of God Is that right And then you judge it also by the witness of the spirit within yourself. He said, when the Lord said that, if you learn to follow the leading of my spirit, I'll make you rich. He said, he had never heard anything like that. And it didn't sound quite right to him. And he said, the Lord perceived his thought. He looked at him and knew what he was thinking. And he said this, he said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. Hmm. Now, whether you know it or not, that is the Bible. I mean, there are many scriptures that verify that. We're going to be talking about some of them today and and as time goes on. But to me, that is life-altering revelation. God's not opposed to me being rich. In fact... In facts, (laughs) in facts, he needs me rich. He needs a bunch of his people to have way more than enough for them because there's a huge part of the body of Christ. They're never going to believe these things and they're unwilling to do what you need to do. And so... He needs somebody that's gonna believe him and let him add to them and use them to help preach this gospel all over the world. Is that right? And build his church and do the things that takes a lot of money to do. Money's not the problem. No, it's not. People say, well, you know, money's the root of all evil. That is a misquote. The Bible did not say that. It's the love of money, which is covetousness. That's what covetousness is. People say, well, same thing. Absolutely not the same thing. You can love money and not have a dollar. Right? You can be completely broke and all you do is dream about having money night and day and long for it and lust after it. Well, if you can covet money and not have any... You could have a bunch of it and not love it. Right? So no, money is not the issue. In fact, you need some resources to to live. You know that. And people say, well, money doesn't matter. Money doesn't matter. And that's, well, why do you spend so much of your life working to get some? Yeah, money matters. It's a deal. But we must not love it. It must not be a priority to us. And we must not seek it and pursue it. We must seek the kingdom. Yes. Not the money. God's will. God's plan. His things. His people. His church. Not the money. We blame for the money. But we don't serve money. Notice in, in uh, Luke 12... And verse 15. Brother Hagin said. The head of the church. Said he saw him. Just like you and I looking at each other. He said if you'll learn to be led by my spirit. I'll make you rich. Well you know. If you knew anything about the Bible. That shouldn't sound strange to you. Who made Abraham rich? Huh? Who made David rich? Who made Solomon rich? Right? I mean. God, hasn't, God's never changed. Right. The church has gotten confused.
1: Yes.
0: Right? Yes. Rich was God's idea. That's right. <laughs> Did you notice in Genesis, I mean, you're barely getting started in the Bible and it tells about how God, God mentions that He made gold. Right. Then He said, and the gold is good.
1: Yes. <laughs> <Right. Yes. laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you know uh, what about the Book of Revelation talking about the gates made of pearl and and the foundation of the uh, the walls precious stones and the streets made of gold so pure is translucent. Yes. Well, God likes shiny stuff. Yes. <laughs> is that <right>? pretty stuff? <laughs> so if you if you like dull and cheap. You're not going to like heaven. (laughs) And if you say, well, yeah, but that's his will up there, but he has a different will down here. Well, you know, that's contrary to scripture. That's not what he said. He said, thy will be done on earth. God doesn't have two different wills. It's not true. Now, granted, your good stuff is over there. Everything down here is temporary and all of that. But uh, it's okay to have a plan and a vision to have something so you can use. I mean, are we glad we got these buildings today to have church yes, in? Yes, sir. Yes. Well, you know they cost money. Yes. Right? Yes, sir. These properties, these buildings, these, and because of these cameras and, and the Internet and all the stuff, we got people watching in other countries all over the world. People that'll watch, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, it costs money. It costs a lot of money. But is there a better use for money than spending it on getting the word to people? And no. No. So, uh, Luke 12, did you get there? Verse 15, Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness. Brother Hagin said, the Lord told him, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetousness. Well, that's in perfect agreement with what he said right here all those centuries ago. Right? He told them and had it recorded for us, watch out. Take heed. Watch out about what? Covetousness. Now, when the Lord says that, what should you do? Huh? What should you You say? Oh, that that, that won't affect me. I'm not covetous.
1: <laughs>
0: and, and, and to talk to a lot of people, you'd wonder, well, why did the Lord even say that? Because it's not necessary. I mean, everybody I talk to is not covetous. <laughs> no, brother, sister. Covetousness is a thing. Oh, man. I wish it wasn't, but it is. It's a thing between family members. Yes. Yeah. Huh? You ever seen people fight yes. over inheritance? Yes. Huh? Yes. Ever, oh, it's getting quiet now. You ever, <laughs> uh, that That's exactly what this passage was dealing with.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, it was a, a squabble over an inheritance. Yeah. And, and that's when he said, watch out now.
1: Yes, sir.
0: Take heed and watch about covetousness. What is covetousness? That's a uh, Elizabethan word, it's an old English word. What does it mean? It's, it's to long for something. It's to, to reach after and stretch after. It has to do with desire. I think longing is a good word. Longing for what? Money and stuff why is it such a deal because people imagine uh well let me say it like this the the love of money is the love of yourself it's the love of self why it's not about the paper it's not about the dollar or the yen or the ruble or whatever it is it's not even about precious metals It's about the idea of what that money can do for me. Right? Right? And a lot of people have the idea and believe if I had enough money, I could get everything I want. I could have everything I want. I could go everywhere. I could do everything I want. I would be happy. I would be fulfilled. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Because you're more than a material being. Yes. You're a spiritual being. Yes. And material things can never fulfill you inside. That's right. Oh, they may capture your attention for a little while, but everything down here, the new wears off. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. And if you're chasing something, that's why the, the Hebrews says... Uh, let your life be without covetousness and be content with what you have. Now, now people might say, well, well see there, you, you shouldn't be trying to believe for anything. No, no, that's not what he said. But what the deal is, if there's anything that you think, I can't be happy until I get that, that's wrong. I said, that's wrong. Because the Lord is your fulfillment. He's your contentment. And if you can't be happy without it, you won't be happy with it. And in fact, you can't even enjoy a new house or a car or suit or whatever unless you're right with the Lord. You can't even enjoy it. So covetousness, the Bible said, is idolatry. Ephesians said it. Also Colossians said it. Covetousness is idolatry. What's idolatry? Idolatry is having a different God. Other than the Lord God. It was always a problem. Have you read the Old Testament at all? Huh? Was idolatry a major problem? Huh? I mean, it just would not go away. And they'd have a revival and get back to God and tear down the groves and burn the idols. But next thing you know, old king died, new king come along. What's he going to do? Idols. He wants to have idols. So, I mean, it just, and you look at that and you go, what is wrong with these people? Exactly. And here's the thing. Idolatry Is just as bad today as it ever was. I can tell a lot of folks didn't believe that. I'm telling you, idolatry is just as bad today as it ever was at any time in history. For one thing, you get out and travel a little bit. They got, they got tabernacles and temples to false gods everywhere. Literally, people are praying and bowing to statues and rocks and kissing this and spinning that. this with us. But there's also the idol of science. There's the, people have made this their God. There's the idol of technology. There are a lot of people, technology is their God. And then, this had not changed, money. Money. There are people, they wake up in the morning. Is that right? With money on their mind. Right? And it's money in the morning. Money at noontime. Money when the sun goes down. Is that right? Money, money. Now you're laughing, but... You know, and people are willing to do anything, anything, any kind of compromise, lying, deceiving, stealing, betray, murder. It is so sad what people do to each other for a tiny little bit of money. But that's how you act when you love money and you have no faith. And you think the only way you can ever get it is to do those things. Aren't you glad you know different? Aren't you glad you know God? And that God will take care of you? You don't have to covet their stuff. He'll give you your own. He'll give you better than that. Is that right? You don't have to steal from anybody. You don't have to lie to anybody. You don't have to kill anybody. It makes you free. And you don't have to beg anybody. It makes you free. Said out loud. Father God. God, Enlighten my eyes. eyes. To what covetousness is. is. And help me to see it. it. About myself. myself. So that I give no place to it. And not have any covetousness. In me. I ask, it I ask it in Jesus name now, if you're serious about that, the Lord heard it it is his will you'll you'll see some things as you go on today, tomorrow, next week you'll uh, uh, something'll come up, and the Lord will put his finger on it and you'll realize, hmm, I want that too much hmm, I want that too much. Not that you couldn't have one or five or whatever, but you want it too much. And if you want it too much, you'll go too far to get it. And so what needs to happen is even if the Lord wouldn't mind you having one, you need to die to it. And there's some things he'll show you to do. And then if it happens right, maybe later on he could add it to you. But it's not... The money—that's the problem. What is it? The love of it. He said, Luke twelve fifteen. Take heed and beware of covetousness. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Amen. Amen. Uh, when I taught at Raymond, one day I, I came through the activity center there, and I heard some some new students. School year was just getting started. And they were discussing, they were talking loud, and I was trying to order a sandwich. And, and uh, so you couldn't miss what they were saying. And and one of them was trying to tell all the stuff he'd been blessed with. And another one was, it was kind of a, a one-upmanship, you know, as, wow. yeah, but I have this. And, and um, of course, they're, they're new students. They're just getting started. So uh, finally, one of the guys spoke up, because this other guy, he was kind of bragging. And as one guy spoke up. He said, well, okay, so what? Your pile of ashes will be bigger than mine. (laughs) Because it's all going to burn. Is that right? It's all going to melt with fervent heat. And isn't that what Jesus is talking about here? Your life does not consist in how much stuff you've got or how much money you've got. That doesn't make you a good person. Right? It doesn't make you happy. It, it won't give you a good life. It won't make you a good friend. You need some stuff, but your life does not consist of stuff and money. And that's why he said, take heed and beware of covetousness. Go to Luke, the 16th chapter. Boy, y'all listen so good. I'm, I'm taking time. Yeah, but I'm just on page one.
1: <laughs>
0: Y'all like, yeah, great, but <laughs> we're still on point one. Uh, Luke 16, are you there? Yes. Luke 16, 10, Jesus said, He that's faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. He that's unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If, therefore, you've not been faithful in the unrighteous." Mammon. Now, mammon is uh, riches personified. And why say it like that? Because it's a God. It's a God that people serve instead of the Lord. If you hadn't been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, now that includes that which is God's, right. Right. who will give you that which is your own? Verse thirteen, are you there? No servant can do what serve two masters. Now why is he why is he saying that now? Put put it all together. He's talking about uh, serving the God of mammon. And he said, you can't serve two masters. You can try, but it's not going to last. It's not going to work. You'll wind up hating one and loving the other one. You'll wind up holding to one and despising the other one. You cannot serve God and mammon. The money's not the problem. The stuff's not the problem. It's the place it has in your heart and in your life. It's how much you care about it. See, Judas gave himself away. When he spoke up, when, when Mary brought this uh, expensive gift and dumped it on Jesus, Judas couldn't stay quiet. It bothered him so bad. He 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 interrupted what was a beautiful moment. What was a beautiful moment. He interrupted and he said, "Ah, what a waste! What a waste! This could have been sold. This that it could have been sold and given to the poor was an afterthought. Because John says he didn't say that because he cared about the poor. He said it because he was a thief and carried the money bag and pilfered or embezzled what was in the bag. What's he so upset about? That the money didn't get in the bag where he could get to it. But But what did he say? The poor, the poor, the poor. Do you know what we could have done for the poor? Such a hypocrite. Such a, and see people that talk like that today, same thing. Same thing. Because if you don't care about the money, you wouldn't have got upset about the money. And you wouldn't have said anything. Why? What is it to him? It's her gift. It's not taking money out of his pocket. Unless you're a thief and think you can steal it. <laughs> You can't serve two masters. And and just a few verses later, it said Judas left and went to the high priests and asked them, How much will you give me? And I will turn him over to you. And why am I saying that? Because see, Judas got to the place where he couldn't serve the Lord and the money. He had to make a choice. Is that right? And he made the wrong choice. Right. Somebody say, wrong, choice. wrong choice. Bad
1: choice.
0: Bad choice. He decided, forget this ministry stuff. What what it dawned on him is that Jesus wasn't going to lead a military rebellion and take over. Because he had it in his mind, he's going to have this high position of authority. In the new government, and and of course, you know, maybe he has access to a lot more money. But he finally made the choice. I'm bailing on this deal and get what money I can before this whole thing goes down. He chose the money. Somebody say bad choice, bad, Bad bad choice. And Jesus is saying, no servant can serve. Two masters. You can't serve God and riches or mammon. And the Pharisees who were what? Covetous. They heard these things. So what they do. Oh man, they they took his message apart. They derided him. Why? (laughs) Because it showed them up. And he said to them. You are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is abomination in the sight of God. He's talking about two different value systems. What the world, the ungodly world thinks is important and all important, and what God knows is important. So let me lead you in another prayer. Said out loud, Father God, Father God help, me help me to see your priorities, what you value, what you, value. What you say, what you, say. What, you know what you know is precious, is precious and worthless. And
1: worthless.
0: I, want I want your values to become my values. I ask it in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Is that okay? Yes, sir. We'll go to Mark 10 now. Let's see if we can't get to to point two. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, Lord, we thank you so much. So good, so good, so good. Mark 10 is... To me, one of the clearest and best examples of what we're talking about. You can't serve, said out loud, you can't serve, you can't serve. Two, masters. two masters. And what's the other master he mentioned instead of God? Mammon. Mammon which is, you can, you can say money yeah. would be an okay translation, or wealth, yeah. or riches. And why? Do people serve and worship money? Why would you do that? Because you think that can give you what you want. Hmm? And to many people, a God they can't see or can't touch is not real to them. And so they don't believe that God could give them what they want. But money, yeah, money can give me what I want. But it's a lie. It's a deception. It's a trick. But you have to make a choice. You can't serve both. And if you keep trying to go back and forth between one and the other, it'll wear you out. It'll frustrate you. It'll annoy you. And at some point, you'll just pick. Huh? Judas picked. Wrong choice. Have you made your choice, child of God? Come on, help me out. Sit out loud. I do not not worship money. money. I don't love money. I I have only one God. Only one one source. source. God, God. the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the the creator of the universe, universe. is my my only God. I worship the Lord my God. And him only,
1: him
0: only. Do I serve. I don't make my decisions based on money. No. That's right. Cannot be bought.
1: That's
0: right. Huh? Right. uh uh-uh. mm-hmm. Can't be bought. A lot of folks don't believe that. They think anybody can be bought. But when you really know who your God is. You can't be. Because they nobody can offer you anything that God can't top. <laughs> and then so. Are y'all okay? Mark 10. Verse 13. They brought young children to Jesus that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. And when Jesus... Now, now, I'm not just reading extra scriptures for no reason. This applies directly to covetousness. Pay attention. You'll see it in a minute. They brought the little children. And Jesus was much displeased. He said, suffer or allow the little children to come to me. Don't forbid them. Of such is the kingdom of God. Notice this phrase kingdom of god verily i say to you whoever shall not receive the kingdom of god as a little child he shall not enter therein why is that true he's talking about childlike trust childlike trust now, when he says little child, he's talking about little ones, really little ones, that haven't learned the distrust. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially if they're, their whole life, all they've known is their family that loves them and cares about them. If, uh, if you tell the child, you know, jump to me or whatever, uh, a little child that has a, a right relationship... They won't even think about consequences. No reasoning. They will just jump because they trust without understanding. And the master is saying that's how you get in the kingdom is trusting without reasoning without understanding yes. like a child does yes. keep going he took them up in his arms he put his hands on them and blessed them and may say and. and and when he was gone forth into the way there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him good master what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life. Now this is what we call the account of the rich young ruler. And what does he want to know? Inheriting eternal life. And what he wants to know. He didn't just ask the Lord, how do I get in? He thinks he already knows. He says, good master. And if you look at the uh, Matthew's account. And Luke's account was at Matthew 19 and Luke 18. Uh, he, he said, What good thing can I do? Good master, what good thing can I do to inherit eternal life? He thinks it's about doing good things, which is why he keeps saying, Good, good master, you're good, I'm good. And I've done good things, and what other kind of good things do I need to do so that I can go all the way, inherit eternal life? Verse 18, Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? See, that's why Jesus brought up the good thing. Because he knows his emphasis is wrong. His thinking is wrong. He's about to help him out. But he needs a little preparation for what's coming. <laughs> he said, uh, there's none good but one, that's God. So what, what, what does that mean? Well, you trying to be good enough to deserve an e- eternal life. Ain't going to happen. Mm-mm. And, and you, need, you need to be able to watch for this because a lot of people believe this. I hope I've been good enough. You have not. I can help you out. (laughs) If you're counting on you've been good enough to make heaven, you're lost. Uh uh. Nobody can be good enough to deserve salvation. That's why Jesus had to come. Uh uh. You gotta be trusting in what He did for your salvation, not trusting in what you've done. Now you'll be rewarded. For good things you've done, but that's not how you get saved. That's not how you make heaven. So he says, read it again. Uh, verse 19. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor your father and mother. And he, and the, the young man answered and said, Master, all these I have observed. From my youth. Now you'll notice. That the ones Jesus mentioned. Were all the commandments. Regarding your fellow man. How you treat. And interact with your fellow man. Not the ones that deal with God. (laughs) Because that's the one. He's about to get to. (laughs) Anybody remember. What the first commandment is. Come on, help me out, church. This is the church. We know about the Ten Commandments. Is that right? Don't make me look bad now, okay? Uh, <laughs> you will have no other gods. Is that right? You will have... Why, why is that an issue? Well, we just got through talking about it. You can't serve two masters. Keep reading. He said... Uh, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Because he was a good guy. And he had kept the commandments with his fellow man. And he had done good things. And if you read the other accounts. It said that he ran up there. And knelt in front of Jesus. So something is stirring in this man. He has heard about jesus he's probably heard jesus teach and preach and man he never heard words like this before and obviously he's interested in god and the things of god and the commandments that was already the case but this is different this is alive this is quickening something shaking him to his core and he knows there 's more to, to to get involved in there 's further to go, and so he runs up to Jesus, he falls down in front of him and says, "Good master what what can I do? See he knows he needs something else he knows right. is that right yeah. inside him he knows there 's something else. What can I do and Jesus looked at him and loved him, yeah. and so what he 's about to tell him. Is not to take anything away from him. It's because he loves him. Is that right? And he wants, the man asked him about eternal life. And Jesus is giving him the answer, how you get to everything you ever dreamed about and then some. One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. This is amazing. I think there's every indication that Jesus is offering him what will turn out to be Judas' vacant spot. Because he said the same thing to him that he said to James and John, Peter and Andrew. You know, when he first met them, what did he say? Come, follow me. And they le- the Bible said they left all and followed him. So they did exactly what Jesus is telling this man to do. This wasn't an isolated thing. They let, The Bible said James and John and Peter and Andrew, they left, uh, two of them said they left their father, they left the boat, they left the stuff, they left the company, and they followed him. Now, here's, some, here's where people get off with this. Jesus never asked anybody to take a vow of poverty. No, he did not. God himself, in any of the word of God, never asked anybody to take a vow of poverty. This is man's religious idea. It is not God. Jesus is not asking this man to be broke the rest of his life. He's not. But what he's telling him... Is necessary, you can see by the young man's response, his faith is in his substance. And the only way you can get free from that. Huh? There's, there's not three or four different ways. We're going to find out right now who your God is. We're going to find out who you serve. Who you trust, who you look to, who's your security. He said uh, liquidate and distribute it to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. Now, for one thing, you'd have to believe heaven's real. Right? And you'd have to believe that that treasure is going to belong to you later. You got to believe there is a later. You got. Can you see what I'm telling you? You've got to believe a lot of things that you can't see, that you can't make a trip and verify. <laughs> he said, and come, take up the cross. This is interesting because this is before Jesus went to the cross. And follow me. Follow me. Keep reading. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved. You know why he was grieved? He grieved the spirit. And when you grieve the spirit, you'll sense that in yourself. And and you want to watch out for this. When God gives you something. And he gives you that thing that is your next level. It is the next big thing in him. It'll excite you. It'll stir you. It'll thrill you. Just like this young man comes running and kneeling down and going, hey, I'm going to paraphrase. I want in on this. I want to go all the way. But then the enemy will come and he'll say, you can't do that. You got employees. You got business. You got payrolls to meet. You got deadlines to meet. You got customers. You got this. This man was very wealthy. By today's standard, you know, I'm guessing hundreds of millions and that kind of thing. He was, when the Bible says, very wealthy, very rich. He didn't just have some savings. He has major resources. And put yourself in his place now. We have no reason to think that he knows that Jesus is the Messiah. Most people did not see that or know that. This is a preacher. Who's having big meetings. (laughs) And this preacher tells you. What you need to do. Is liquidate your. 500 million dollar portfolio how much of it all of it and put it in whatever charities you want to help people in need and then you know come you have now a new occupation and follow me this is not a substantial move this is a giant move This is a total change of your life. And immediately, this is not what he had thought. What's he thinking? Let's do some good stuff. Let's do some good things. He's not not thinking about trust, what I trust in, what I serve, what my security is. He looked at Jesus and lost his excitement. This is sad. Why is he so sad? Why is he so grieved? Because he is missing God. He is missing God big time. And he went away. He left. Didn't even have any more questions for Jesus didn't need any more explanation because if that's what it's going to take no that's his life he's comfortable he's set for life he has memberships in the nice places all over town he's respected right and what would he what would who would he be without his money what would he have Now, again, did Jesus ask him to take a vow of poverty? No, No, he did not. He asked him to demonstrate that his money is not his God. Is that right? Right. And there's not five different ways to do that. (laughs) Demonstrate. You know, when Zacchaeus said, behold, the half of my goods I give to the poor. Jesus didn't say, no, that's not enough. (laughs) Got to give all. Right. No, he didn't. he didn't. He said, that's great. Yeah, it it's not about that. Keep reading. The uh, well, um, verse 22, he was sad, went away grieved, he had great possessions. Yeah. Jesus looked around and said to the disciples, now the man's already gone. And he looked at his guys and he said, uh, how hard it is for those that have riches to enter into the kingdom of God. He had just got through talking about the little child. Is that right? And how you can't enter into the kingdom of God unless you're like a little child. So now he's back to talking about, just a few verses earlier, same thing. Getting into, entering into the kingdom of God. And and when he said that, the disciples were astonished at his words. Why? Because they associated riches with blessing. Yeah. All the seed of Abraham did. Abraham's your hero. When you grow up, you want to be like Abraham. Yeah. Abraham was a multi-multi-billionaire. And God's the one that made him rich. So when Jesus says it's hard for people with riches to get in the kingdom, they went, oh, What? 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 They uh, if you read Matthew and Luke, at, they were they were astonished beyond measure. I mean, they were absolutely dumbfounded at this statement. They thought, We 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 thought being rich showed you were probably getting in. You know, because rich is blessed. Then he qualifies it. And Mark's the only one that adds this statement. He qualifies it. They were astonished at his word. So Jesus answered again. He said it a little different way. Children, how hard it is for them that what? That's the deal. That's the whole thing. Trust. Trust in the riches it's not the riches it's the the loving it it's the trusting it it's the clinging to it for your security for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of god did the rich young ruler act like a little child about this trusting jesus he did not I mean, what if a little child is playing with his favorite toys and these are the favorite things he has in life right now. Maybe they're brand new, but mom or dad gets up and says, okay, we're going to go and do this. And, and they start, going, I got to stay them. No, no, leave them there. They'll be fine. Come on, go with me. Well, a little child doesn't think. They'll get up and go. Especially if they're trained right. <laughs> hmm? If they're not, you need to make a change. Because if they, don't, if they don't know how to trust you, they're at a disadvantage trusting God. They're supposed to learn this when they're very, very small. But a little child won't even try to think, figure out about the future or think about, they'll just get up and go. And that's what he's saying. Young man, he, believed, he loved him. Come on. Why did he run and fall down in front of Jesus? Something stirring in his heart. God drew him there. Is that right? Why? Because God has something for him. is beyond his wildest dreams. He thinks he's got money. He ain't got anything compared to what God's got an idea for him. We're about to read where Peter spoke up and said, Well, Lord, we left everything. We did it. What about us? And if you'll read Matthew's account, Jesus said this. I'm going to paraphrase. He said, in time to come, you are going to sit on the throne, you 12, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. That's what you're going to get. And he went on to say, nobody who has left houses, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, you know, for my sake and the gospel, but what they'll receive, manyfold, or this says hundredfold, now in this time. Can I take just a couple of more minutes here? Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. This young man, for a few million, whatever they they were, he forfeited rulership of one of the 12 tribes in the eternal kingdom he didn't know it he didn't stay around long enough to hear that or find that out and he would not have been taken a vow of poverty for this life read it read it when Peter says uh Verse 28, well, we have left all and have followed you. He's saying, we did it. You came out, you know, that day at the fishing boat and you called us and you said, come follow me. And we we walked away from our company. We walked away from our fishing business. We walked away from our relatives and, and we came. We did it. Now, like I've already said, in Matthew, he says, you're going to sit on thrones. Judging the 12 tribes of Israel. That's, that's what you're going to get in time to come. And there is no man. Now this doesn't just apply to them. This is everybody now. There's no man, nobody that has left. Everybody say left. left. Did you notice Peter said we left all. And Jesus uses that same word. There's nobody that has left house, brothers, sisters, father, mother, uh, wife, children, lands for my sake and the gospels. He'll have to live broke in this life. No. No. He'll do what? He'll do what? He'll receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mother, children, lands with persecutions. Not everybody will like it. And in the world to come eternal life. Does this apply to the rich young ruler? That's who they're talking about. What if he had liquidated and sold 30 million into the kingdom and into helping people, the Lord said he would reap a hundredfold before his life was over. Now if you don't believe that, you're not reading the passage. Because that's exactly what they're talking about. He did not ask him to take a vow of poverty. What he asked him was to trust him. Trust me. Do what I tell you. Sow all of that. <laughs> well, it takes faith to sow everything you got. Start over with nothing. Y'all are too quiet. What are we What are we talking about? God's a God of increase. Increases His will. Why don't we see more of it then? Well, there are enemies of increase. Is that right? Things that'll hold you out if you let it. One of them is dishonor. What's the other one? Covetousness. And that's what we're talking about. You cannot serve two masters. And the Lord knew that's not going to work. With him trying to work with them and running his business and looking after his investments and all of that, it ain't going to work. They could try it. But it ain't going to work because when the money is calling to him, he'll have to pick. He'll have to choose. Can't serve to. And the Lord had bigger plans for him. We have no idea what that is. To be on a throne. Judging one of the twelve tribes of Israel... In the kingdom of God. For eternity. And. You don't even have to be broke the rest of your life. That's right. Come on can you see this. You will reap. In this time. Many fold. I was thinking about. God has blessed Phyllis and I. I'd have to talk in tongues. And cry and shout. And run and dance. and still wouldn't tell you. But I was thinking about this. Now, this passage, Jesus did not say every offering you gave, you would receive a hundredfold. This is about leaving things for the gospel's sake and the kingdom. Somebody says, well, how much will I reap? It depends on what kind of seed it was. It depends on what kind of ground it is. It depends on your faith to reap. But when he's talking about this, this is things you left for Jesus and for the gospel. And I was thinking, Phyllis, we have already reaped a thousand times Mm. what we left to, to follow the Lord. Our little trailer that we left and our little piece of land and our little vehicles and Our little thing. We left it all. And it might not sound like much, but it's all we had at the time. It's all we had. But you could have held on to it. You could have said, oh, no, we can't. You know, this is all we got. And we have to. And everybody has to make these choices throughout your life. And there are times God will put his finger on it and he will ask you for your Isaac. Didn't he do that with Abraham? Abraham. He will, somebody got quiet on that one. He will ask you, will he? He'll do it. He'll ask you for your Isaac. What's your Isaac? Your Isaac is the the biggest thing you ever believed for. It's your, right? It's your baby. It's your. Why would he ask for such a thing? It's the only way to demonstrate that you love him more than anything else. Right? And that you truly have no other God and no other source. And is he ever trying to hurt you or take something away from you or put you in a worse condition? No, he got big plans for you. Big plans. If you will listen, if you will obey, he's got a place of rulership he wants to put you in. But he can't put people in that position that won't even listen to him won't obey him if you won't obey him in the little thing you wouldn't obey him in the big thing he's got big plans for you and I but it requires obedience and that obedience requires trust stand on your feet everybody said out loud I trust the Lord with all my heart hallelujah thank you Lord lift up your your hands and lift up your voice altar workers come to the front if you would